yeah. Hola, amigos. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, welcome to the 12th episode of the MSL podcast. We have had two episodes in a row that have hit over 100 views. So it's a great success. A great success. Thank you, guys. Um, and yeah, this one's a special one. Um, we thought about having this special guest uh, since the beginning, but we were like, we should actually get good at podcasting before having such a big guest. So <laughs> I was still nervous though. Like I was like still like looking down at my nose, like oh, like stuttering. But but now we're 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 doing better. Wait, I'm gonna charge my phone. Yeah. Um, things first. Uh, yeah, we're doing so much better now in terms of we have a microphone. So courtesy to Marco, I did not pay a dime for this. Amazon basics. Well, yeah, but this just means that the podcast has to be keep going. So it's like further commitment. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but you know what else is a commitment? Doing a recap every week about what's happened in the world of sports. And let's get started. Okay. So in Formula One news, Max Verstappen. Yeah won F1 Drivers Championship for a second year in a row after a flawless race in Suzuka, Japan. I wish I knew where that was in Japan. That's, uh... We gotta put that in the ge geographical context. Okay, yeah, right here. Um, yeah, okay, good, okay, we'll put, put that in there. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it was an amazing race. Um, the weather was terrible, but it was, like, amazing in terms of how well they coped with the bad weather. Um, there were some mistakes. Carlos Sainz went out. But, um, yeah, that in the end, there was a really tight race between uh, Leclerc and uh, Sergio Perez for the second place. But uh, Leclerc got a penalty for going outside the lines, and uh, so, Checo Perez won. So there's four races left to decide. So yeah, what, the, rest, the rest of the standings. So is that like an even number, though? So what, how does that? Well, I mean, since it's oh, like one already the aggregate, okay. you, you get like certain points for a race. Yeah. And now they have the U.S. one in, in Austin, Texas. Uh, there's the Mexico one. My dad's going to be there. I want to really? see him on TV, hopefully. Oh he's going to be there. With, he's going there with all his friends, and, you know, I'm not one of them. Just like how you were on your grandma's Facebook for over a year. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. But we won't talk about that. On, um, the, <laughs> on the MSL Instagram highlight, there's they go a panorama of the club meeting, and this is you and me looking at your grandma's Facebook. <laughs> To, to see if, if she actually posts about me like yeah. frequently. And she does once a year, so it's, it's great. Mm. Um, what else? Yeah, so uh, they have the Saudi Arabia one. and No, they have the Abu Dhabi one and, and the Mexico one. And then the Brazil one. So they're ending the year with the night race in, in Abu Dhabi, which is like one of the most iconic circuits out there. And yeah, Verstappen has won it. Let's see who wins second place. Leclerc versus Checo Perez. Are we going to place bets, or are we just going to... I'm really bad betting. I say Leclerc is going to win. Really? Yeah. Just because he's my sister's, uh, like, idol. Is he now? Yeah. My sister has, like, a flag of him, like, in her in her room. Yeah, she's a big fan. So, shout out to my a sister. Lady killer. Shout out to my sister, because I'm always says Leclerc is going to win. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs come back to beat the Las Vegas Vaders, 30-29 after a stellar performance from Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes or Mahomes? Mahomes. Mahomes. Okay. And also, the Jets demolished the Dolphins 40-17, which would also happen in real life with a real jet and a dolphin destroyed. Was that a dad joke? 
A little bit. A really bad one, though. I've been watching a lot of, like, gruesome animal videos, so that's why. And the Patriots beat the Lions 29-0. to That would not happen in real life. Without starting quarterback Max Jones, rookie QB Bailey Zapp stepped up in his place. Explain. Yeah. Explain what that means. Uh, yeah, so... Rookie, um, he's he's like the second choice for the quarterback position. He's young, like straight out of college, and since Mac Jones was injured, he he got to play and he played really well. And my roommate Buster said, like, you know, we gotta be happy at Sappy because that's his last name. <laughs> shout out Buster. Uh, yeah, shout out to Buster because he keeps keeps me up with all the NFL stuff because I I like the other football. Marco can't do it all. Okay, all these sports. What else? And the NBA preseason drama with an exclamation point. Marco yeah, is very crazy. passionate. Draymond Green punched teammate Jordan Poole in the face. Exclamation point. Green won't get suspended, but tensions in the Golden State Warriors are as high as Snoop Dogg. <laughs> so for that. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna like place the clip from TMC. We got it like exclusive. No, actually, it's from YouTube, but um. Yeah, it's a great punch actually. Like if you look at the really? technique, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they there there was like they were talking about it. there was like this verbal altercation, they got into each other's faces, they were doing like you know, like getting in front of each other and then he just hit him like really well. Of course you know. Yeah, but then um like he's gonna get like a fine. He's not getting suspended though. So not too bad for Draymond I, Green. Hmm. I wonder what led up to that. I guess we'll find out. Maybe the next episode we'll say Hopefully we get some drama. some like exclusive information from our sources. Um, oh yeah, because we have exclusive sources in the NBA. Oh, the other thing, prompt: If you could get punched by any celebrity, who would you get punched by? I would want to try and get punched. Okay, maybe. Who? <laughs> oh. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Like the yeah, the, the, the small guy from Game of Thrones. Because he wouldn't be able to reach me. Oh, he would punch you, but he wouldn't punch you like in the face. Exactly. So it would be like you know. Yeah, I would like to get punched by Dua Lipa because that would just mean that I get to meet Dua Lipa. So, like, if she punches me, that means oh, that, that we're like re really close to each other. <laughs> and yeah, so if I get to meet Dua Lipa, it's a great success. Even though if she punches me, like maybe in the context of like. You know, we're Dua Lipa and I breaking up, and then she punches me, something like that. I don't oh, know. okay, okay. Dua Lipa? Yeah, you you just you get so successful that you're leaving her behind, and then she punches you. Yeah, so we're going to leave a picture of Dua Lipa right here, just yeah. Dua Lipa appreciation moment. Um, Come find Marco. And now it's my time to talk. <laughs> um, UEFA Champions League special uh, recap. So this week was the fourth match week of the Champions League in the group stage. It was amazing, full of drama. Um, Bayern won against Victoria Pilsen, and that means Bayern's through. Napoli beat Ajax 4-2 with, you know, one of the best, like, goals I've seen, like, in terms of teamwork. The, the link-up play was amazing. And then um, Liverpool beat uh, Rangers 7-1 with a six-minute hat-trick by Mo Salah. That breaks the record. And... Uh, the big headline is Barcelona is probably out of the Champions League. Woo! Um, 
a friend of mine, he's just like, I'm done with football. I'm done. He used to be a Barca fan, but he, I say used to because he's like, I'm done with football. I'm never watching it again. The entire sport. Yeah, yeah. He said it's a waste of his time now. And I'm like, oh, really? When, when Barca was doing good, you weren't so negative. And I just sent him like a laughing emoji because I know it's going to trigger him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they played against Inter 3-3. Amazing scoreline. Um, Barca needed to win that game. And now the only way that Barca can stay in the Champions League is if Inter doesn't beat Victoria Pilsen, which they have zero points. And if uh, Barca beats Bayern and Victoria and Inter is unable to beat Barca. So it takes a miracle. Mm -hmm. I looked at the odds and it's like a like 7% chance of, of Barca going through. It's basically like non-existent. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that like looking forward to this weekend. Manchester City versus Liverpool, El Clasico, Real Madrid versus Barcelona. It's going to be a good weekend for football. Okay. Hopefully, UMass is also going to have a good weekend for football. Uh, we'll see. Well, and that this is uh, the recap for the week. Yes. Um, we're about like, oh, well, I mean, we, this is retrospective because we wanted to wait till the Champions League match days were over. But you're about to witness one of the best interviews out there. <laughs> no, no, it's actually like a really enjoyable interview with Frank Martin, the coach at UMass. He's building this amazing project and you're going to listen to so much about it. So stay tuned and see you next week, probably. Bye. Hi guys, uh, welcome to the 12th episode of the MSL podcast. Um, we have a special guest that I had like thought about with Amali like since the beginning. Uh, we started off and we're like, you know what, we're gonna get good at this post podcasting thing before we actually have like Frank Martin here. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot here. Um, oh, it's great to have you, Frank. Um, I know you've been like pretty busy, like getting the team together, preparing for the season, um, working to integrate like the seven new. Uh, additions to the team how has that been going oh man it's been it's been awesome uh you know recruiting uh, i still uh enjoy recruiting because it's a relationship building process uh you get no you get told no a lot more than you get told yes uh but but still the the beauty of recruiting is in in, in meeting people and the relationships that you build and Um, and you know, and, uh, in that process, we, we've met so many different people in the new England area, uh, that, uh, people that I used to have really real long standing, uh, relationships with it after being gone for 20 some odd years from here. Um, you know, I, it's not that I lost track, but we just didn't speak as often and reconnecting with some of them. And, and then obviously the players and getting to know the people on campus and, Um, creating the mindset that we want to have uh, from a, um, a daily work ethic. Uh, you know, like our players, they're, they're your peers. They, they need to be in class. They need to do the academic work. And they're going through the same adjustments that everyone's going through, Get, being back on a campus, actually going to class, not doing things on Zoom. Um, so, so it's been an adjustment for our guys and, and helping them through that. Uh, Um, has been, you know, it's, it's been challenging at times, uh, getting used to the old way of doing things, just old way three years ago, you know, it's, uh, uh, but the last two years have been interesting. And, uh, and then lastly, now in practices, uh, getting to, to get a feel for our team and, uh, and getting our guys ready for that, that first, uh, 
uh, game, which is uh, right around the corner. Right. Since you've been back at UMass, I've thought been a lot of adjustment, uh, a lot of new people to meet. We were wondering, what did you find appealing about leading a new project at UMass? Yeah, the excitement of uh, um, uh, trying to take on the challenge uh, and being around people that want this place to be good. Uh, I, I, if you think about the, the growth that UMass has shown academically over the last 10 years, um, it's, uh, it's, it's now one of the top, I think it's ranked 26 in public edu- you know, public land grants universities academically in the country, uh, which is really strong. Um, and, uh, that growth is powerful. Uh, you know, basketball here used to be one of the elite, uh, programs in the country. And, um, um, it's kind of taken a step back over the years and it's not, it hasn't failed miserably. It just hasn't been as successful as it was, uh, in that the decade of the nineties. And, uh, so the challenge of, um, trying to put that back together and seeing how good we can be, uh, with a group of people that are fully committed to it, uh, is, is that's exciting to me. It's, uh, it's kind of what I did at K-State. And uh, it's what we did at South Carolina, and I'm excited to do it. Hopefully, for the last time, because that rebuilding stuff now that that makes you age. Now it's uh, uh, that takes years off the back end of your life, and I'm not 35 years old anymore. So hopefully, it's the last time I got to rebuild something. That's interesting. I was just curious, actually, now that you mentioned that, why do you think that basketball isn't as popular as it used to be, just from your standpoint? Um, I. I, I don't have that answer. Uh, I'm still trying to get a lay of a, a lay of the land. Um, I'm a look out the windshield, front windshield kind of guy, and peek in the rearview mirror. Um, it's the way I drive. It's the way I live life. Uh, uh, it's kind of the way I've been going on my job here. Uh, I've tried to, uh, you know, take quick glimpses as to get a, an idea why. Uh, we haven't had the success that that we once had, uh, but I'm I'm gonna keep my focus and my energies on giving people hope that that we can do this again, and and then getting our guys to 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 we our guys have to be students on campus. Uh, their peers have to respect them. They that we have to be uh, you know part of campus. It can't just be we're not just basketball players. They they you can go to Boston for that and see the Celtics play. Um, you know, we, we, we have to play the game a certain way with an identity. Uh, and then lastly, we got to win games and we got to play a style that fans want to be a part of and enjoy watching. And uh, so we're in the process of, of trying to connect all those parts. Well, now we're like rebuilding and, and like leading a project here at UMass. What are, uh, you know, how are you able to balance both like short-term goals and long-term goals in regards to recruiting and, and not and be like you got to be <laughs> thinking about I want these players to be here in the long run not not just the short run yeah that that's uh, uh that's uh, a powerful uh moment that we have in our sport right now and and actually in all college sports um with this uh, uh transfer situation that we have where where we've opened up uh, this thing called the transfer portal, uh, which where, you know, in the past, if a player wanted to transfer, they had to come in and see the coach and you have a conversation. And and then um, uh, they, you know, they, they had to make a decision and then they ended up wanting to transfer. Um, 
you know, there, there were certain regulations in place and, and then you had to sit out a year. Um, I, I didn't think that was as fair as it needed to be. I thought there was too many restrictions, but we've gone from that to basically players don't have to tell us anything. They just, all they got to do is put their name in this portal online. And as soon as they put their name on there, uh, any school can call them and, and, uh, you know, so other universities can fly into here and come on campus to meet with our players if they're in the portal. And uh, it, it's created uh, it's created a different uh, dynamic uh, for that long term recruiting vision from like, I'll give you an example. So let's say you're a high school junior. I would be recruiting you and explaining to you, listen, the, when you're going to be an incoming freshman, our roster is going to look like this. And, and you're going to be competing against these guys for playing time, blah, 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 blah. Well, I can't do that anymore because with the transfer portal, when the season ends, I have no idea who's staying, who's leaving. And uh, so long-term roster management has gotten complicated and it's brand new. I'm not complaining. It is what it is. It's just brand new. So we're all trying to figure that dynamic out on how to be, because I'm, I'm about living life in an honest space. And I build my relationships with players in recruiting um, by showing them that I keep my word. And it's, uh, it's hard to have those kind of conversations with people when you have no idea. Like in the spring, if I lose player A and B, um, then I've got to go replace them. And, and now when you become a senior in high school, now you're going to say, wait a second, why, why aren't you calling me anymore? Well, I don't need a point guard anymore. And, and I had no idea about it two years ago. Now, uh, because of the change of the roster, it's uh, the reality. Right. I can only imagine like how hard it is to predict, um, especially, I don't know if you travel to other schools or and I'm not necessarily a recruiter, but um, it's just, it's curious, like the taking and giving aspect. Um, speaking of which, what are some of the goals you've set for yourself and the team this season? It doesn't necessarily have to be like long-term or just what you feel in the moment. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty simple with goals. Um, uh, the long-term goal continues, uh, will be from the day I got hired and until the last day I coach at UMass is to compete for an A-10 championship. Uh, that's, that's, uh, if we can elevate our program. Uh, to, to be in a place where we're good enough to compete for the Atlantic 10 championship, uh, then we're definitely an NCAA tournament team and we're good enough to go beat anyone in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, for example, Dayton um, beat Kansas last year who won the national championship. And you, you got numerous schools in our league, us included, that have been to a final four in the last 25 years. So um, uh, it's the kind of teams that we have in our conference. And then the short-term goals, uh, there, there's so much, so many moving parts in today's day and age that I, what I try to do is I try to keep things clear and simple. So everyone that's a part of our organization understands it's let's work to get better every day. Just keep it there. Uh, it's uh, uh your your generation, not mine. I'm I'm an old dinosaur. Like I, I my skin's so thick, you can like shoot a shotgun on me, and those pellets will bounce off. Um, uh, but your generation uh, lives in a and I got children your age, and so I I manage it with them. 
Uh, they, you guys live in a generation where because of social media, there's too much of an ero- emotional roller coaster on a daily basis uh, for, for certain outcomes. And, um, and I'm not hating on it. It's the truth. So I've got to help your generation, which is the group I coached, understand how to manage that. So to, to stay away from that roller coaster of like, you're great today, you stink tomorrow, that uh, social media drags uh, college athletes in, in, in general, everyone that age. Uh, I try to keep everything simple. Uh, so there's not overreaction to a bad day or overreaction to a good day. Let's just get better today, which is what matters. Well, based on, on what I've grasped from our conversation so far is that you're like a really people-oriented coach. You see your players as people first and then players. Yeah. Um, how else would you describe your leadership style? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm demanding, um, but I don't, I don't force people to become who I think they should be. I help people become who they tell me they want to be. And uh, um, I tell players all the time, I said, I can't. You know, I can't do it for you. Uh, if, if, if I see greatness in you and you don't want to achieve it, there's nothing I can really do to help you. Um, but I have long conversations with them to figure out uh, who they are, who they want to be, what they aspire to become. And then I try to create a game plan as to, okay, that's who you want to be. Well, this, this is the path and these are the obstacles and, 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 you know, and it's going to be, you know, difficult in this kind of way. And, uh, and, and just have those kind of conversations with them. So they understand that at the end of the day, uh, my job is to challenge them. It, getting better is uncomfortable. Like growing is uncomfortable. It, it's, it's, you know, being told what you want to hear, that's comforting. Being told the truth is sometimes uncomfortable. And, and, and my place in life is to make them understand that uh, I'm here to help you become who you want to be. And I'm going to tell you the truth, which means sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. But when I tell you the truth, I'm going to have your back. I'm not going to let you fail. And, and, and it's building that relationship through that journey that makes it pretty special. And how have your past experiences molded this leadership style that you have now? Yeah, it's, uh, um, I started coaching when I was 19 years old. I graduated from high school at 17 and tore up my knee and quit school. And my high school coach convinced me to come back. And so at 19, I living in Miami, Florida, I just wanted to go hang out on South Beach every night. I, I, <laughs> I wanted to work, make money and, and hang out. And my high school coach convinced me to come coach. And I'm saying, coach, are you kidding me? I don't know anything about coaching. Uh, but I fell in love with it. And, uh, and I realized at a young age, because all I ever wanted to do was coach at my high school. Uh, I, this, this, this is not even something I dreamt of. So people say, you dream of being a college coach? No, no. I, my dream was to coach at my high school and, and help my community. That's all I ever thought about. And, um, um, but I learned real quick that, um, you know, the, the outside world is going to judge me based on the score of the game. Uh, but I don't work for the outside world. I work for the players on my team and the players on my team need me uh, to help them, uh, to, to guide them. And, and so at a young age, I, I started to realize that if I just coach basketball for the score of the game, it makes it a real shallow profession, at least for me. 
If I coach to impact the kids on my team, the players on my team to grow individually and collectively, then regardless of the score of the game, I, I sleep really good at night and it makes me feel really good. And that's that's kind of the way it was created. So would you say that one of the biggest challenges being a coach is the outside influence? Because you're wondering, um, like, what's the hardest challenge you face in your career? So is that something that plays a part? I, I, I think I tell young coaches all the time, the biggest mistake they can make is fall in love with popularity on social media. Uh, because, you know, my profession gets criticized publicly like no other profession out there. That's the coaching profession. Um, and, and, and I share this with you with all due respect to your age group. Uh, I grew up in a generation when I was your age, they asked me to make copies, make coffee and give people rides. And now I'm coaching that that age group, and I'm asking them to, to perform and and uh, accept the maturity that it takes uh, to succeed. Um, and because of that, uh, I'm going to be judged by the outside world. And and I'm speaking about me here, not so much our players and our staff. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, so I tell coaches all the time: don't fall in love with social media because you know the public perception. Uh, piece is not, you know, you might trick people into thinking you're somebody with a phony public perception. Uh, but at the end, uh, you don't work for that. You work for the people that are inside that room with you every single day, the ones that are in that journey. Um, you know, I'm a fan too. I, I get it. I understand. I, I, I have emotional roller coasters with the teams I root for as a fan. Um, but as a coach and as a player, you understand that that journey is you got to go back in that locker room that next day. So you can't come in there with your feelings hurt. You can't come in there holding grudges. You can't come in there worried about uh, the outside world's perception. You got to come in there with an upbeat personality and a desire to help the people in that room because they're the ones that signed up to go on that journey with you. And, and the better we do internally there, the better the outside world treats our team. And, and, uh, and, and that's a challenge. And it's, that's easily said and hard to do. Uh, because we're human beings and we, we want to, we, we want people to say nice things about us. Uh, but, uh, we, as coaches, we, we sign up for that job and we know that, that we're going to get criticized publicly when our team doesn't play a certain way or the scoreboard doesn't show something. And, uh, we just gotta, we can't fall in love with it on the good days and ignore it on the bad days. It's, it's, uh, if you're going to pay attention to the good days as a human being, you're going to go pay attention on a bad day and that. I don't think that's a good balance to have when you're going through a journey. Well, I mean, in, in every sport, the coaching position is kind of a, a scapegoat position. Uh, when the team wins, they mostly praise the team. When the team loses, most, they mostly blame the coach. It's, you know, the pressure that's, that's on coaches is, is huge. But then now you're seeing put on 19, 20-year-old players who have to keep a social media image. That's of such a high standard while they're also dealing with college, like academics. And then you see them, you know, having everybody has their issues, like in their family and outside influences. So I guess that managing all that has been a really hard, hard it's, job. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's the, the biggest challenge we have is, you know, kids at age 15, 16 uh, are being told how great they are on social media. And, and then they get to college or the MBA or whatever. And, and it's really hard. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, 
uh, you know, I'm not the only coach in America. There's 354 of us coaching Division One basketball. And uh, you can argue who's good, who's not good. That's fine. But there's only 354 people in the country that have a job like mine. And, and meaning that it's it's an exclusive group that you get into and you don't want to let go of your job. So you you push pretty hard as a coach to, uh, to make sure you keep winning because that's how you keep your job in our business. And um, uh, but the, the the ugly part of where we've gotten to now is that now the players have been drug into it. And just like you mentioned, they're not professionals. Uh, they 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 go to class. They they get up. They deal with the same. You know, they get an F on a test. They handle that the same way every other student does when they get an F on a test. It's frustrating uh, when when you know when it's snowing out. And, and it's, you know, it's hard, it's cold. If they choose to lay in bed and not go to class that day and, you know, the average student can do that and probably get the notes from, a, a, you know, a peer in class and still go prepare for a test. If our players don't go to class, they're held out of games. So they, it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's uh, the challenge is not easy. And, but that's, they sign up for the responsibility, just like I sign up for the coaching responsibility. And, uh, um, so we're not, we're not asking anyone to, to feel sorry for us. It's just, it's a complicated journey and it's not an easy one. And, um, uh, the bad part is that the emotional roller coaster that the players are put on now publicly based on every performance, you know, one day they're great. The next time, next day they stink. And, um, it used to be, let's wait to the end of the season before we pass judgment on whether we're good or bad. Uh, cause the season, when you're a team and you're a competitor, you sign up for the whole season. You don't just sign up for certain games. And when you deal with the whole season, the season teaches you how to win or it teaches you how to lose. It rarely leaves you the same. And uh, so the journey's the whole year, even though our players are going to have to be, are going to be treated based on individual successes and failures on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow. Well, um it's really interesting to think about the divide between college athletes and just students in general. But speaking of which, what are some skills, philosophies, and mindsets that you think aspiring college athletes should have in order to have the most success possible? I know it's like a very hard question because everyone's different. It's like <laughs> put everyone in like one group, but if you could, pick, I mean, yeah, whatever qualities you had or whatever qualities you wish that some players had. Yeah, I think as an athlete, sometimes you 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 pigeonhole yourself in in on a college campus, and you you're you're not a peer, you're not part of the student uh, population uh, to a certain extent. You're so isolated in, in what you do. Uh, I think if our players are around all the other students, they realize that their challenges are very similar because uh, everyone has challenges. Not, nobody comes to college and just, hey, it's a great day every single day. We all have goods, good days and bad days, ups and downs. And then I think then the, 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 the students that are not athletes uh, learn to respect the athletes that, you know what, they're a lot more like me than I thought. They're not this professional. They're just another 20-year-old that's trying to figure stuff out. Uh, they just happen to be pretty good at a sport. And um, and I think it creates that camaraderie, that respect uh, amongst your peers. Uh, that's uh, that's so important uh, to because uh, most of the times we all think that 
that our life is really hard and why are all these problems happening to me? And the more we think that way, the more we kind of shelter ourselves. And in reality, if we get around others, we realize that we all have challenges. We all have difficulties and, and, and being at peace that this is, you know, difficulty is passed around equally amongst all of us. That, that doesn't mean that my difficulties are the same as yours. No, but you're going to have your difficulties just like I'm going to have mine. And, and when we when we get to a place where we understand that, uh, we realize. So then we start to trust and and lean on people that are trying to help and guide us, uh, so we can move past those difficult days. And uh, it's uh, I got bad news for both of you because you're still both like young and and you know you're brave. Obviously, what you're doing right now is phenomenal. And the questions you're asking are awesome. Um, uh, but I got bad news for both of you. Your life is only going to get more complicated the older you get. Uh, you know, everyone says, it seems like time just flies by the older I get. Yeah, that's because the amount of responsibility that keeps coming on your plate keeps growing. Not, It's not smaller. I don't care how much money you make. It keeps growing. And because your responsibilities keep growing, your brain never rests. And your brain doesn't rest. You don't realize that days are going by. And before you know it, you wake up one day, you're bald and you're old and you're like, wait a second, what the heck happened? So, uh, but it's, it's an awesome deal. And, and I love, I love going through that journey with, with young folks. Uh, um, you know, it reminds me of, uh, of me being young and it keeps me young at heart. And, uh, cause I live life, uh, through, I live my life vicariously through late teens and early 20 year olds. And, um, I, I, sometimes their, their, their actions and, and, and their moments, uh, frustrate me. Uh, but at the end I find the peace to try and help them and they find the resolve to keep pushing forward. And that keeps me young. Um, one of the biggest questions I, I really wanted to ask you is how has recruiting changed with the new NIL legislations? Has it been a, a bigger challenge than before? Yeah, you know, that's uh it's again, that goes back to your your generation. It's so because of social media, it's about having a following. It's about having how many likes do I have? How many retweets do I have? How many uh you know, it's it's it, it, everyone's in a rush for that false um that fake uh respect that comes with having social media popularity. And the reason I say it's fake, there's bunch of people following you but the reason i say it's fake is all it takes is one mistake and all those people disappear and then they turn on you and, and just you know come after you uh where the real the real popularity is who you are every day uh within your room so um whether in your family and your team or your peers or whatever it may be the people you actually engage with on a daily basis now the reason i say that to you first is because now the NIL connects with that individuality and it's the more likes I have, the more opportunities to make money I have. And, and, uh, at the end, the bottom line is, uh, I got no problem with it. It's, it's just something new. Uh, I think people, uh, it was wrong for us not to allow, uh, 20 year olds to, to, to make money off who they are. I mean, you're doing a podcast right now. Uh, you know, this is what you do for a living. And if you're good at it and you're popular, which you guys are good at it, uh, you, you have the right to make money doing this. Um, if that's the next chapter and 
And so what if you're in college? So what if you're, you got 15 credit hours? Why can't you make money off what you're good at? And I think it's the same way with our athletes. It's something new. We got to learn how to manage it. Uh, you know, and as a coach, I've been put in a, uh, a difficult moment uh, because I have to help the players understand how to navigate through that. But I cannot be a part of cutting the deals uh, to, to put player A with company A so they can create a relationship that um, I've got to manage the feelings. I've got to manage uh, the dynamics that, that that's added to the locker room. But I cannot be a part of the marriage of putting those together. So, uh, but it's the way it should be. And, uh, uh we just, you know, the waters are kind of rough right now with it and we just got to keep riding it. Eventually the waters will come down and the ships will stay, you know, afloat and, and, uh, everyone will be better for it. Um, we have like one final question that we always ask our guests and it's, uh, what question would you have liked us to ask you and how would you have answered it? Ooh. Oh man. Um, that's a good one. That's, you know, I, I'm telling you, you two are good at this because, because I, I, I do a lot of these and that's the first uh, time the tables have ever been flipped to, to put me on the spot. Um, I, I, I think who I am as a human being uh, when I'm not coaching uh, because the, the profession I've chosen um, Uh, wants to uh, the world wants to judge me based on those 40 minute games 28 times a year and if if I'm going to be judged as, as to who I am based on the scoreboard or or you know, can you imagine if the 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 big meetings of every big corporation where the big decisions are made Can you imagine if those meetings were broadcast live around the world for the world to see? Uh, there'd be some some people's feelings being hurt. There'd be some some um, some things going on in those meetings that people sit back and say, "Holy cow! I can't believe that guy or that woman just said that." Um, uh, so it's uh, um, I just it, 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 I live life 365 days a year with my players, my family, with everyone that's a part of my family, uh, part of my life, I should say. Um, but I coach basketball 28 times a year in front of the world for 40 minutes a day. Uh, my, my, my impact as a human being, I would hope, is a lot greater than my impact as a coach. And uh, so maybe if you would ask me about, uh, about that, um, uh, that would have been a pretty powerful question. But you guys have been awesome. I, I, I commend you for for the, the, the questions, the, 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 the knowledge, uh, and, and your willingness to do this. Thank you so much, Coach. It, it has been an amazing episode, and I've learned a lot from you. Like the leadership, your leadership style, I find it really appealing how it's always people-oriented. Um, you, you're demanding, but at the same time, you're understanding, and, and that's a great balance to have. And, yeah, we wish you the best for this season. and. We would love to have, have you back on the podcast uh, at the end of the season, kind of like a retrospective fashion, review the season. That would be amazing. Let's do it, man. Anytime you guys need me, I'm here. Just let me know, and I'd uh, love to come back on with you. And uh, make sure you guys come out and watch our guys play. We need your help. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, we can look forward to a great season. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Thank you.